Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Um, you know, if you get to this right away, it'll still be 15, but uh, if you get to this, you know, for your Thursday commute, this will be two weeks, 14 days out. From the 2019 NFL Draft, um, whether it was the action on night one, on round one, first night on Thursday, uh, that's still yet to be determined. But you know, this is you know closing in people, closing in people, and getting closer and closer to football. More and more football-related stuff. So, Locked On Browns, your team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, for your daily delivery of all things dog pound. Uh, whether you get in the car, whether you get home, uh, you know, obviously use your hands-free device, play podcast Locked On Browns, have the latest episode brought up for you um you know through that avenue pete smith joining us here and um well i'm actually going to open with this one uh pete because our boy chad thomas uh like you know we kind of tease we'd like to have a little fun and you know you know maybe you know obviously music may be a little bit more important uh apparently put out a tweet today uh asking where the best recording studios are in cleveland and i'll be honest uh, i can't answer that pete i'm sure you can't answer that either and if Chad's almost been here for a calendar year, and if music's his passion, maybe he should know that. Uh, a fan responded with a, a, a address of uh, 74, Lou Grows Away. And um, Chad Thomas responded by asking where he could find the guy's mom. And the worst part about this whole story is uh, the guy who sent the tweet, is his mother's been long gone for over seven years now. Um, then ended up deleting the tweet, ended up blocking the guy on Twitter. But, uh... Pete, uh, we were never a fan of the Chad Thomas experience, and uh, hopefully this one's over sooner than later. Yeah, uh, at least Chad Thomas knew where uh, where where the uh, facility is in Berea. That's progress. Um, what's weird <laughs> to me is they have dudes on the team who have either access to or their own recording studios. I think Chris Kirksey... Uh, has one where he does his drumming stuff. I think Body Calhoun may have had one or access to one, but like he would not have to look far to find someone who could help him out in that front uh, within within his locker room. You know, and this is uh, one of those things where Chad Thomas is sort of like asking to get this type of response uh, because. You know, he didn't have a good rookie year, and this is naturally what happens when you're bad, uh, is that immediately, you know, you're going to get, you know, the dickish response basically telling you to go be a football player, go be good, whatever. Uh, so, you know, not too surprising, uh, and only feeds into the people who think outside interests are bad uh, when you're a bad football player, I suppose. So... Live and learn, I, I guess. I, I don't know if Chad Thomas had the wherewithal to take down the tweet or if he got, you know, a little phone call from somebody uh, at the facility that basically told him, look, you got to take this down or whatever. But uh, live and learn, I suppose. Well, I mean, there's, there's, you know, what you can do and what you can't do on social media as far as where you are. I guess your relevancy. If Miles Garrett, I mean, let's put it this way: Miles Garrett said, "I want to host a play date for my dog and meet fans with their dogs." And guess what? A whole bunch of people turned out today and showed up with their dogs to meet Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett and their dogs. Um, you just, you know, look, uh, Chad, suit up for 16 games. 
And if you play, and even if you have some sort of role, and you said, man, I, I, I'd like to record something, to, they'd roll out the stinking red carpet. Uh, worry about the meal ticket first, I guess. Or if the other thing is the meal ticket, then let's, you know, football can't be secondary at this point. Most interesting part about Miles Garrett thing is he was late to his dog part thing because his his dog uh, his new puppy Gohan uh, took a shit in his car on the way. This may be the problem with a new dog owner. You, you you've there's certain certain things and do's and don'ts you got to learn about traveling with animals. Um, part of it maybe is you know maybe want to have a little crate first action. Uh, you know, but hey, maybe he was a little excited. Well, he may, have, he may have been in a crate. I have no idea. But either way, the better, biggest thing is it doesn't sound like there was anything to make Miles sort of be like, I'm never doing this again because his immediate reaction was, you know, he plans to do it again, plans to do it in other places, which is good. Uh, hopefully it means nobody, you know, made an ass of themselves in, in what he's trying to do, uh, which is positive. That's always that's always a plus. I mean, it's great that he's sort of making himself available on that that standpoint, uh, and you know, wasn't didn't live to regret it. That's always good. Uh, so we shall see where that goes. But yeah, I mean, that's the classic example. Is I mean, you know, and it's not like he's you know, this is something he can make a career of, obviously, but. Uh, nobody is, uh, well, people did initially, they actually tried to use it as a, a, a knock against Miles Garrett when, when it was, the discussion was whether or not to take him one overall, that he had other interests, dun, 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 uh, he <laughs> likes poetry and other things, and he likes, you know, old music, and he likes basketball, oh, oh my god, uh, but yeah, it's, this is what happens when you're good, you're you're a renaissance man when you're bad you're you're distracted by other interests and you're not you're not dedicated enough to the team so so far you know i like that he's trying to make himself sort of available he's a very interesting guy in that respect he's very comfortable in his own skin even though he's basically one giant dork which is great um you know dorks don't get in trouble pete this is this is true. Uh, he's very intelligent. He knows a lot uh, about a lot of things. Uh, has some interesting insights into things, and he's a he's an old head basketball fan, which is also interesting. Well, and but the thing, you know, I mean, at six five and almost six six, he plays basketball. He's just another guy. That, that's what he is. He's just another guy on a football field. He's a damn god, and uh, you know, capable of you know multi. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, plus ten sack seasons over a long time. But I mean, look, that's cool. I mean, literally, there was there was no charitable purpose involved. It was just general, genuine. Um, look, obviously, you know, the Browns they always do that thing in the summertime, you know, with the uh, you know the puppy rescue and stuff like that. Maybe it's you know, and this is something obviously where Miles can help, and it's 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 giving minimal effort to do a lot of good, and that and. This is what you, I mean. Look, I mean, as as far as this grows and it gets bigger and bigger, the product, the on field, the wins, everything, you want to see that. Uh, and look, I mean, here's a guy, number one overall pick. I mean, you would normally expect this from like you know the fifty second, fifty third dude. You wouldn't expect this from a guy you know a Miles Garrett stature, which is cool, and he is. I mean, yeah, granted, I mean, he even. I remember when Damian Ratley was on here. I was like, oh, well, have you talked to Miles Garrett yet? And he's like, ah, he's like Miles. Miles probably doesn't even know where his phone is, or he's playing Fortnite. I mean, it, like he's just a different dude. But it, it, it's cool to see though that he's going to put himself out there. I mean, because this could have turned out to be an absolute shit show for Miles Garrett. 
It really could have. I mean, you know, all these fans showing up with their dogs. I mean, whatever. Um, well, I guess, as far as Pete said, maybe it did turn into a slight bit of a shit show. But, you know, that's what happens when you have pets. And uh, trust me, guys, uh, you want hardwood floors with pets. You do not want carpeting. I will speak from experience on that one. Um, we were going to get in this. What we're going to do here tonight, we're going to do a little different. Um, we get to have a little bit of fun here. Um, we're going to do uh, draft positional favorites. And look, guys, this has nothing to do with what the ranking is um, as far as any of that. You know, it, It's going to be just guys we really like. Um, it may not even be a Browns fit or a Browns you know, twist to it, but just guys we really like, um, and hopefully they go anywhere but the AFC North if we do like them, if they're not a Cleveland Brown. Uh, but we'll kick that off. Um, Pete, I, you know, it, it's fun to start this one because, I mean, we've done work quarterback-wise. We haven't had it gone mega deep this year because obviously we're good for hopefully another... I mean, I was even thinking about this today. My oldest daughter is 12 years old. I mean, thinking about if everything goes right with Baker Mayfield the way it should, like the Browns would be maybe thinking about addressing the quarterback position. My daughter's 12 when she's, what, 24, 25 years old? That's pretty cool to think about. It's pretty cool to think about. So, all right, Pete, I'll let you kick this one off here. Let's go with the quarterback position. Uh, yeah, since I can't just pick Baker Mayfield again, I'll just I'll go with Gardner Minshew from Washington. First things uh, first, we'll let you pick Baker Mayfield, but then you're going to have to give a B, so go ahead. Uh, I'll go with Gardner Minshew from Washington State. Uh, I don't know if he'll be very good. It would be great if the AAF still existed. He could play in it if he doesn't get drafted uh, or make it as an undrafted free agent, but he's just fun. He's another guy who's comfortable in his own skin. Uh, Doesn't have have the arm uh, that he probably need to be super successful at this level, but he's got everything else. Runs around a little bit, just does a lot of things, and, and he has fun. I like the fact that he was basically, you know, he gives as good as he gets when it comes to a guy like Mike Leach, uh, keeping, you know, him, of all people, on his toes. So, yeah. Well, I mean, look, and playing for Mike, it's a different breed because, I mean, you know, part of it is, is you know, Mike is like, I get, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, for, it seems like we're almost going with the dork theme here. Mike Leach himself is a big old dork, and there's a whole bunch of, like, he likes to just do what nobody else will do. Um, yeah, and we've mentioned this a lot. You know, if, you know, it, maybe it's going to change now, obviously, you know, with the addition of, you know, Gilbert being brought in here. But, you know, Minshew, if you wanted to find something that was Baker-ish, maybe it was Gardner Minshew. Um, for me, it's still going to be, and it's always going to be, Tyree Jackson from Buffalo. Um, I've, to a fault for years, I've always fallen in love with the big, Tall, big-armed quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, obviously, he can throw the ball a country mile. Um, he's got agility to him. Um, he's would need a lot of refinement um, because uh, you know you're going to have to hit your backs out. You're going to have to hit you know your flat routes. You're going to have to hit your short crossers. You're going to have to hit your medium crossers. You're going to have to hit your deep crossers. Um, but just an interesting guy, and I think Tyree Jackson and the fact that he's coming from Buffalo. And the fact that, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks are pedigreed at 13, 14 years old, and they do, you know, all the seven-on-sevens, and they do the, you know, the private quarterback drills, and, I mean, coaches and all that stuff. This is a guy who has never, you know, had that opportunity. It'll be interesting, you know, once he gets in, and, you know, look, a lot of it will be on him, because, I mean, he's going to have to put in a lot of extra work himself. But Tyree Jackson, no doubt about it. Guys, iTunes, rating reviews, um, always uh, appreciate it. Always appreciate the assistance over there. Um, you know, 
it's weird when podcasts are, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give away this brand new jersey and please make sure and screenshot us pictures of your iTunes rating and reviews. Guys, just leave them for me. I mean, look, we're going to get to a point here. There's actually been some talk recently. We're going to dip toes into the t-shirt game. I'll be honest, I don't know much about it. Um, but, you know, look, to do it, it's going to be, hey, like a tweet or whatever or something, whatever, we'll pick out some winners. But th- that that is in the works and something we're going to get to here soon. I, I just, with the draft coming up here, it's something maybe I can focus on, uh, you know, on May and June. Because if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. So there is some talks with some companies. We're going to do we'll have a little fun with it and maybe do some cool stuff and, and see how all that works out. But we're going to get to that. But um, iTunes, rating reviews, help with the success of the show. And you guys keep coming. We'll always keep working. All right, Pete, that gets us to the running back position. And now this is, it's different this year because, Pete, I mean, I, I, I would love for somebody to go back and listen to every draft show last year whenever we discussed running back and Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb. I mean, this year without the need being as great as it was, and I guess at the end of the day we maybe have to call that one a draw. Uh, I guess. It would have been like the old, you know, it would have been like Rocky one where they fought for, you know, 15 rounds or whatever. The running back position, and it's it, it's a, it's a weird, different class this year. I know you're a big Josh Jacobs guy, Pete, but if I ask you to choose somebody else, who are you going to give me? Yeah, um, since you took Josh Jacobs out of it, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll roll with Miles Sanders. Uh, I, you know. I like the way he plays. I like the fact that, you know, at least in my opinion, he's still vastly underrated. I think he's still playing sort of in Saquon Barkley's shadow, understandably, because Saquon Barkley was such a, you know, a physical marvel, even though I thought he had a lot of flaws to his game uh, in terms of vision and stuff. But Miles Sanders, you know, by virtue of the fact that he, you know, is playing after him, for a lot of people, he feels like an afterthought. And to me, he's the best running back in this draft class. Uh He's not as big, but he's very fast. Uh, he was very productive, and he does a little bit of everything, which is what you want in a running back. Um, I, you know, I, I will be curious to see if if Josh Jacobs does in fact go uh, as the first running back overall, or if and, and, and you know if this becomes sort of a a Ricky Williams versus. Uh, Edger and James type situation, albeit in the 30s as opposed to top 10, uh, where a team, you know, somebody takes a guy like Miles Sanders ahead of Josh Jacobs, one, because he's, you know, good, and two, because he's just a different style that maybe is more conducive to what they want to do, whereas Josh Jacobs is sort of, you know, he's a hammer. That's that's what he is. You're, you, you know, he can do some things in the passing game, uh, you know, he, he majestic swing route catcher in the playoff, uh, which those are the traits that made him the, the star. But uh, I, I'll be curious to see if, you know, there's somebody at the top of that second round that grabs Miles Sanders potentially ahead of him. If a running back goes in the first round at all, they shouldn't. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but uh, yeah, I like, I like Miles Sanders. I think the thing with Miles Sanders is what's maybe where it's hurting him a little bit is, you know, he was the guy who played the running back position this year for Penn State after Saquon Barkley left. Um, he was a highly recruited dude. Obviously, you know, the testing's off the charts. If it was, you know, Miles Sanders who had maybe done three years, you know, say any other school, not where Saquon Barkley was, where, you know, he was behind him for two years, I think he would be appreciated much more than he is now. 
I'm not going to back off my dude, Benny Snell. I know the testing process didn't go. Um, and still, I, I like as a Cleveland fit because when you talk about now, what, and Pete, we talked about him before Odell and talked about the fact that there, you need some sort of Nick Chubb insurance policy, and that was before whether or not we knew Duke was going to stick around. You needed somebody to be the back that's going to get the yards that are going to be there. And, you know, can he break a tackle? Sure. Is he as athletic in Nick Chubb? No, he's not. You know, I, I'll understand that. Is is there, like, some vibe to him, some charisma to him? I mean, he's he, he'd be a good personality with this group. Obviously, an Ohio kid, you know, more Cincinnati than is Cleveland. But Benny Snell, just a fun player. And I go back to, to that Kentucky team that just basically, you know, people started talking about the football team and not so much the basketball team. And obviously, Josh Allen, a part of that. The DBs, a part of that. Benny Snell, I mean, look, you need somebody on offense to do something and for what he did you know for the three years at Kentucky being the basically being the only feature of that offense and the one thing I'll always keep telling you guys is if you can name who the quarterback was at Kentucky this year you you, you probably win a you know you win a free bar tab for the night because nobody really can answer that one but Benny Snell a really really solid player that I like we'll go uh all right wide receiver is up here Pete let's go uh, yeah, I'll roll Andy Isabella. I, I don't think he's going to end up in the Browns, but I, I like the kid. I like, you know, you know the fact he it was insanely productive uh, for multiple years at UMass. You know, even, even when we got to the actual combine and people were still saying this kid wasn't going to run fast. And then you had the, the, the clock error and people were saying this kid's slow and all this other stuff. I remember some uh, trolls. I, I remember we had a little, there were some trolls. Oh yeah. He ran four, five, eight. Like you dumbasses. Do you really think he was this fast? And now he ran a four, five, eight. Come on now. And then all of a sudden they had to backtrack real quick. Uh, the suggestion that because you – know, oh, well, that without saying it, that because he was white, he was going to be slow. Uh, and then you watch him on the field. He – you know, he's tiny, but he just gets it done. Uh, and he is so much faster than everybody else, even when they played Mississippi State, even when they played Georgia. Uh, he was playing at a different speed than those guys. Uh, he produced against everybody. I mean, he had – 300 yards against 300 and something yard 300 like four yards against liberty uh look you you get this kid uh the ball and he produces uh you went you know to a relatively small high school in mayfield uh and he was a tailback there and just sort of you know worked his way into the body he has where he's you know basically 190 pounds very thick dude uh, for for being not even five nine, and uh, he just doesn't go away. He just keeps finding his way, working his way up. The, you know, the Senior Bowl, he was playing a position he hadn't really played, and there were some adjustments there. And people talking about, well, Penny Hart's better than him, and you know, it's weird how much this kid gets has been doubted throughout the process. And you know, when when we we get to ultimately where we're going, he's he's still there. He's still going to be a pretty high pick. Uh, and could be a really, really good player uh, for a team that is is interested in exploiting all he has to offer. Uh, yeah, the, no, and look, I mean, Andy's obviously a darling of this show. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, from the fact that he's from Mayfield, Ohio. I mean, the story almost writes itself. Um, but I almost wish they won't draft him because he's going to be in a position here where, if they do draft him, where he's worthy of it, he, he may not get the run 
that he's going to need. And you know, there's obviously teams with bigger and gape, you know, more gaping holes where Andy Isabella might be a better feature, you know, right out the box, which I think he's capable of doing. He's just, you know, obviously he's going to, you know, there's going to be some adjustment, obviously, but kick and play. There's just no doubt about it, and he's not a slot. He's more than a slot. If you want to use him there, sometimes sure, that's fantastic. I've piggybacked forth. I started in this year with Nikhil Harry. I think I kind of ended up kind of just falling in love with Debo Samuel. Um, the work ethic, um, the toughness of him, uh, the routes, the yards after the catch. Um, you know, obviously for a guy like him, you hope health is going to stick and he will be fine and everything's going to be okay in that area. Uh, Debo Samuel out of South Carolina. Look, I, as long as the health holds, I, you're talking about a guy, and he's he's like an Anquan Boldenish, uh, physically built. Uh, he's you know the long speed. You know it's it's not you'd hope for a little bit more, but it's literally at this point just like pointing and ticky tack and stuff. But Debo Samuel, I mean, this is the dude you just want on your football team. And it came coming from South Carolina. I think the game translates whether he's going to, you know, wherever in the United States, whether he's going to cold weather area, whether it's up north or any of that stuff. This kid can just play football. Debo Samuel is a good guy and a guy, I, just a good guy, good player, a guy you would want on your team. And that takes us, Pete, and this is kind of where it gets interesting. And actually, what? But since we're here on the wide receivers, you see, Daniel Jeremiah's mentioned today that he thought only one wide receiver should go round one, and then he said, in a, like a tweet after that, if he could say one wide receiver he's guaranteeing to go round one, it was Marquise Brown. Wasn't any mention of DK Metcalf, which I thought was a little weird. Yeah, um, it's. I mean, I, I get it. He's big and he can run fast in a straight line, but it's not. As clear cut, there's not much there in terms of a track record, you know. And I, and we don't know what teams found when they did the medical. Uh, they had the medical recheck today. I don't know if he was there, if he needed to be there or not. Um, but that's a question that you know maybe we get to the draft and he falls a little bit, and then suddenly you know becomes like uh, uh, Harold Landry last year where he goes in the second round uh, and and then it comes out, well, there were teams that had questions about the medical. Uh, you know, you don't know what DK Metcalf, allegedly, and you never know with this stuff, that Marquise Brown had a good uh, report at the medical recheck. You know I mean? If you, if you believe in the town, you, you, you think he's healthy. He's Deshaun Jackson 2.0. And that's an easy case to make in the first round. Uh, you know, I, I think he would make a ton of sense on, in a team like Green Bay. Uh, you know, the, the, that 30th pick, uh, just to give you, you know, Aaron Rodgers a, a target that can catch and run and go deep and all those things. Um, but in general, I would say that, you know, in, in ter- there's a ton of big receivers uh, that, that are very good, I think, Better, there are better receivers than DK Metcalf, so uh, you, you may not be in a hurry. You may, or they may simply like those other guys better. Uh, that will be interesting to watch. But you know, I think wide receiver, you know, there's no obvious super stud receiver in this group. Uh, so in that respect, I think receiver is needs to be treated, or at least would be, uh, if it was up to me, like. 
uh, a running back position. There, there's always a ton of them. You can always get value there. Uh, and, and if you're going to take one early, it better be a star type player. And uh, there, there seems to be a, a good number of people uh, who have access to the, the teams and, and a general vibe of things that there are enough to think Marquise Brown is in that category where you could definitely see him go in the first round. Uh, you know, and with Marquise Brown, I, I will say Indianapolis Colts, I think maybe they need a little bit more on defense, but I mean, maybe you want somebody you're hoping could maybe be T.Y. Hilton in two years, and but it just gives you just an absolute, I mean, look, obviously they love their tight ends you know, with the Colts, and it, it would just make you know Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle's life even easier because there's just somebody else that can just blow the freaking top off of it. Um, and then you go and get a wild card like Josh Jacobs visited the Colts today, which, you know, so, I mean, look, at it, it's so much going on this time of year. Um, which will bring us, Pete, uh, we will get ourselves here now to the tight end position. Sure. Uh, which should come as no surprise, it's TJ Hawkinson for me out of Iowa. Yeah, Pete kind of uh, likes him. I love the way he plays the game. Uh, you know, his athletic testing is a hair short of being like, a, you know, an all-pro type guy. Uh, but should be a multiple Pro Bowl type guy. Uh, you know, he doesn't just block because he's supposed to. He loves to block. He has an attitude with he blocks. He gives you, you know, that's like a weapon with him. But it's not, you know, he's not a guy who just blocks. He's a very impressive receiver. He's athletic down the field. He really, really tracks the ball well. He can catch uh, passes in traffic and through contact and all those things. It's just very easy to find ways to use him in an offense. Uh, I just think he's a full-service guy in a league that is, you know, more and more going to, uh, you know, split-out types, uh, space tight ends, those guys. Uh, that T.J. Hawkinson, sort of the classic old-school Mark Bavaro type, that uh, you know that that teams love to have and teams hate to defend. I think the thing with Hawkinson is you go to Iowa and their offense, you know, obviously it's, it's drab and it's, you know, one of these schools that is not, you know, graduated to, you know, where most of college football is right now. And you put him in where, I mean, look, he's going to have to learn a lot and learn it quickly, you know, similar to uh, Max Williams, uh, you know, out of Minnesota going to Baltimore a few years ago. But I, everything about you, Everything about the kid tells you he's going to absorb it and he's going to come quickly. Um, year two will obviously be better than year one, but I, I don't think you know you have any reservations about putting more on that kid's plate. Yeah, I, I you know he's a guy who's used to doing all those things. It's not like you know David Njoku, and obviously David Njoku is very young too. But it was you know he, we're bringing him in as a receiver. We've got to teach him how to do these things. TJ Hawkinson, it's plug and play, and it's just a question of how much you want him to do, and is he ready to sort of compete against grown ass men uh, who are looking to pay a mortgage? Um, so yeah, I, I just think he's great. Uh, I, I think Noah Fant's actually a slightly better prospect just based on the numbers, but I just love the way uh, Hawkinson plays the game and and is a type the guy that you know I would love I love him, but. You know, I would hate to see him twice a year uh, in in the division. Um, well, I mean, you know, Baltimore. I mean, maybe there's room for a seventh tight end. You never know. Um, he'll never get there. Uh, Cincinnati, they wouldn't be smart enough to do it. 
And Pittsburgh, uh, let's just hope he doesn't go to 20, because actually that one that one would not be good to take him from black and gold to put him in black and gold again. Um, this one I'm going to put actually a little bit of a brown slant to it. Um, we've talked ad nauseum, and nobody's really sure what the where the situation is with Seth the Valve. So if you're looking for competition there, and... Obviously, you know, with Harris brought in, uh, the emphasis that they want David Njoku to, you know, continue his evolution as a blocker, which he did. Nobody underestimate that and in, in, in pretend or give it any false bravado. He did get better. So you hope he get, does get better there. So if I'm going to add just a pure receiving guy, I'm going to go with Jay Sternberger out of Texas A&M. First off, I just love the story. Here's a guy at Kansas. Couldn't find his way out of the freaking field. Good job on that one, Kansas, by the way. That's why you are Kansas the football program, not Kansas, the basketball program. Although maybe if the, if the football program cheated a little more, they'd be all right, Pete. But, uh, and, you know, Juco route ends up at Texas A&M, uh, catches a ton of balls this year, catches, I believe it was, I, I, I want to say it was 12 or 13 receptions over 20 yards. Um, chunk plays. This is where we're at now with uh, Freddie, with Monken. These, it's not going to be, you know, a, a little thing out in the flat, and it's second and eight now. I mean, it's it's guns ablazing. They're going deep. I, I mean, I don't mean deep, deep, but I mean they're challenging you vertically. And you know, a guy like Jay Sternberger could fit in here. Obviously, again, with this tight end class, as much as everybody was thrilled with it, and I know people agree, it seems on the whole, everybody, maybe besides Noah Fant, everybody tested a little bit lesser than what we were all hoping for. But it doesn't mean these guys still ain't damn good, and it still isn't a really good tight end class. So Jay Sternberger, uh, you know, will be my tight end. Pete, uh, that will bring us, uh, I guess, offensive line here. Maybe we'll just go two guys. We'll go you know, one interior guy, one exterior guy. So start with, the, you know, your outside guy. Maybe tackle here. Uh, yeah, so I'll roll with Titus Howard. Uh, I, I certainly hope the Browns end up with Ole Udo. But uh, in terms of just, you know, the, the person, uh, I, I love Titus Howard. Uh Really uh, a charismatic dude, a former quarterback who goes to college as a tight end and then ultimately grows into an offensive offensive tackle. Very smart, uh, endearing type dude. Enormous 6'5", 322. I wish he tested his agility a little bit better, but he's still one of my targets because he was very fast, at, very fast and reasonably explosive at that size, which counts for a lot. Uh, but, yeah, it, just in terms of the type of – player he is uh still learning the position uh getting better at it uh plays with an attitude uh very powerful like even you know at the senior bowl you know the, the small school guy coming in and the first day he was you know knocking dudes got knocking dudes down to sort of make a point that he's not just a small school guy that he's there to sort of compete with the big boys and, and let them know he's not going to get pushed around well and that was almost the thing and like what everybody said about him it was like well all right you know now that he's like the big bad dude, it was like, all right, well, I've gotten beat on and pissed on for years when I was a quarterback. Now it's time for some redemption. Um, I think him or either the guy I'll suggest, and look, I, this is just splitting hairs. Um, either one of these guys, you know, Pete would be happy with, I would be happy with, especially when you bring in a guy like Aaron Catman. But Ole Uda, uh, you love the story. Um, he's a big man still learning you know, how to get the feet in the right place, still learning how to, you know, get functional power, sink his ass, get it in the chest correctly, all stuff you hope a guy like Aaron Kentman is going to go. Um, you love the fact that, you know, it's a smaller school, obviously, you know, just like Howard as well. Uh, you know, from Elon, 
Uh, Josh Norris, if you guys, uh, you know, Josh Norris from uh, Roto World, you know, a former Elon guy himself. Um, but this is, these are the stories you like. And when you're hopefully taking a team which is now going to become, you know, a, a huge, even bigger story than they have been, you want those good stories. And a guy like Ole Uda, and look, it, guys, with Greg Robinson, with uh, Chris Hubbard, there is really no future at the tackle position with this team. So you you do not want to go into 2020 having to address both tackle spots. So at least find somebody to man one of those before you go into 2020. So either Howard or Ole Uda for me. Um, Pete and I, I don't think we either, either one of us care. Uh, either one of those guys would be perfect, perfect recipe for what's going on here. Um, we're gonna, uh, Pete, I, that will leave us to the interior, and, uh, you know, go ahead. I mean, it, it's a little weirder. I mean, like, center, I mean, it's tough for us because we like Treader. We like Treader a lot, and we like the story. So maybe center, not so much, but, you know, interior guy for you, Pete. Uh, yeah, so I'll roll with uh, Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. He's a nasty BC guy, just looking to uh, knock dudes down and make a mess, and he's supremely athletic uh i think he's the best guard in this class uh has has everything you want and and the and the attitude you want to go with it uh just that type of guy who's will undoubtedly as bc guys do will undoubtedly get into fights um he just gives you everything in terms of the, the makeup of the type of offensive lineman you want, the attitude, and just the quality of player. I think, you know, I, I'll be surprised if he makes it out of the first round. Um, but I think he, he's a guy who will come in and play very, very well. Uh, he's not quite up to the level of a guy like Quentin Nelson, but I think he's going to be a damn good football player for whoever ultimately gets him. Uh, well, this is actually even the funny part here because um, you brought up Quentin Nelson, obviously. You know, um, as you guys have known, uh, Quentin Nelson uh, went to my high school. Um, there was a kid who just, he's about to graduate from my high school named Steve Lubashore. He's a quarterback. He's headed to Boston College. Um, one of the top recruit tight ends for the 2020 class is, uh, you know, uh, Jamie Gordonary. Uh, he is a t- obviously a tight end. He is just committed to BC, and I've actually gotten to talk to these guys a little bit. And they were like, it was just something about like the togetherness of the program, and you know, and obviously, look, first things first, BC, it's a fantastic academics institution, so uh, it's not a bad place to go get your paper from if you're going to graduate from. Um, but it, they just talked about it, in, like the togetherness of the program, and you know, I went to Northeastern in Boston for a while before I, you know, I came back home and went to school at Monmouth and played ball there, but I played ball at Northeastern University, and it's different, uh, you know. Boston's a it's a different city like everybody thinks the Patriots Foxborough isn't really close to Boston um so there's like a, a closeness and a togetherness of the football players and like these guys draw to it and look BC I mean they are always a a, a pain in the ass on the schedule because uh you may win the game but you you know may get your ass kicked during the game even if you still came out on the right side of it you know my Florida State guys they have had battles with them for years and eked by in many a game, but still, you know, probably didn't win the war. Which gives me an interior guy here. Um, I guess I'll go with, you know, uh, Pete, this guy we've talked about. Eric McCoy at uh, Texas A&M. Uh, a fun athletic player. Uh, I don't know. It, it, the interior is tough to, you know, 
this is one where we haven't had to go too deep with the acquisitions that you know, uh, you know, obviously John has made. You, uh, you know, Joel Batonio's not going anywhere. You know, J.C. Treader, guys, we have sat and said he deserves probably an extension. Um, you know, obviously. You know, <clears throat> Corbett is now going to be your right guard, and you know, the, the obviously three-year run with him. Um, but just an interesting player, uh, very athletic for a center. Uh, you know, similar to Shredder, can move well on his feet. Um, obviously, if you play center, you can play guard. But Eric McCoy at Texas M, Texas A&M, nice, nice, solid player. Uh, I guess you have our offensive side of it, guys. We'll kick it over to the defense here in a second. But remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked On Browns on the new Himalaya Podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with the personally curated playlists and new features every day. Um, so check it out and download Himalaya at your app store. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Browns, guys. I appreciate it. That will get us, Pete, to the defensive side of the ball. And uh, you want to start outside, Pete, or do you just want to get it over on the inside part of it, on the D-line? It's it's a question of am I doing it Oliver first or are you doing Brian Burns first? Uh, go ahead, Pete. I know because if you all remember the Odell episode, well, I guess I guess we can officially declare the end of the Ed Oliver in Cleveland. <laughs> that was a good one. That was fun. Uh yeah. I mean, look, he is a genuine phenom. Uh, in terms of athleticism and, and the way he plays the game, in terms of you know his his stamina, his energy, the fact that you're watching a defensive tackle go and chase down running backs all over the field, like, looking like a linebacker, to the point where people have speculated whether they should move him to linebacker, which I think is insane. But because Reinventing you're having you have that at defensive tackle, why would you mess with it? Um, you know, from his first game. As a college player, he uh, you know was chasing around Baker Mayfield as an 18-year-old kid, uh, and 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 giving him all he could handle on a team like Houston that you know he was the guy uh, for that team. Certainly, they've had some talented players. They had a nice run uh, of of getting talent, and certainly they're hoping to continue that with Dan Holgerson. But you know, in a lot of ways, Ed Oliver sort of opened the door for that uh, by staying home, by ultimately going to that school uh, and helping them sort of elevate that program. Uh, And, you know, he's, to me, he's the ideal football player you could want out of this draft class. Uh, Just just any number of things you can say that you watch this kid. I mean, his production is absurd to the point where uh, when you do the math on this, he missed, I think, let me check, he missed... He missed five games this year. If you just take the production he had in the rest of the games, he's still an elite prospect. That's insane. Like he just out, out of his mind in terms of that he's not he's he's twenty one. Uh, he'll turn 20, 22 in December. Uh, just absolute freaky dude. Uh, the, the idea that he he could potentially you know go as low as you know, maybe falling out of the top 10 to me is still insane. Uh, I'm hoping, you know, the team will realize what, you know, if they're just saying we, you know, we, we want Aaron Donald, uh, but we don't want to draft a dude because he, he might be too small. 
I mean, it's sitting there staring you in the face if you're if you're willing to take it. And and maybe he's maybe more Geno Atkins than Aaron Donald, but uh, that's oh, that's not good enough. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an all pro type player. That's that's exactly what you want. So you know, the idea that teams are going to pass on him uh, is crazy to me. Uh, so well, he asked for a jacket, Pete. He wasn't playing. He wanted a jacket. It was chilly. Uh, I, I would, I would, I would point to the fact who won that one. By the way, the uh, the coach that got fired or him. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that that's you know, it's it's whatever. But yeah, he just tremendous football player. I think he's going to be outstanding in the league. And at this point, it's just hoping he doesn't end up at eleven and go into the Bengals. They'd be too dumb to draft him anyway, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, look, Ed Oliver, fantastic player, and you know, as we talked about, as much as people wanted to bring him down, he literally throat punched every negative people had. Oh, well, he doesn't carry enough weight. Well, damn near two ninety at the combine. Well, is he lift enough? Yeah, thirty two reps. Is he athletic enough? Yeah, shut up. I mean, it, it, just a fantastic football player. If you want to say Ed Oliver is undersized, sure, that's fine. But he's a fantastic football player. Um. I'm going to go with this, and uh, I, I guess you know, obviously, the name has been very heavily, you know, connected to Cleveland. Um, Brian Baldinger today said, "Look, I mean, if it weren't for the ACL, maybe you're talking. It's not a Quinn and Williams, Ed Oliver D tackle class. It's a Quinn and Williams, Ed Oliver, Jeffrey Simmons class." Um, guys, look, you know how we feel about the incident. It, we, we're not going to get into it, but Jeffrey Simmons, and you watch him play, and I. It was him and uh, Preston Williams, the wide receiver. The testing never showed the play run. But, like, we'll still watch these guys. We'll still evaluate them. And me and Peter, I even remember, like, we talked about, like, Jeffrey Simmons is just a ridiculously good football player. The problem for me, Brown-wise, is, is, you know, if the expectations are on the table for this year, you want this guy to be a part of it. Um, and there's, there's a weirdness when you're not a part of it and, like, you just kind of stand around and watch. And, A, you need the player. B, what happens to the guy when he's sort of a member of the team but he's not a member of the team. But Jeffrey Simmons is a fantastic football player. If you are a shitty team right now and you still think you're one year away, as Pete always says, the Miami Dolphins, I'll say the New York Giants. There are plenty of teams where Jeffrey Simmons is a great fit, and you are going to get a top 10 player who may not take the field or who should not take the field, right, Pete, until 2020, and you add that to your arsenal. Just a fantastic, fantastic football player, quick first step, great hands, uh, leverage. Uh, there's just not enough superlatives you can put on the guy. If you can get past the off-field, which some teams may not be able to do, and which this is fine, um, you know, obviously you have to deal with the ACL recovery, but Jeffrey Simmons is a damn good football player. Um, go ahead, Pete, throw your edge prospect up because look, I know, I, I kind of think of where I'm going to wax poetic here. Yeah, I'll go with good Josh Allen, uh, because his, he, he's a guy who could have come out, uh, last year and been, would have been probably- the better, best Josh Allen in that draft. Would have, and still would have gone later. Maybe he's a solid second-round pick. He goes back to school unsatisfied with that, you know, unfinished business and all that stuff, and makes himself a substantially better football player. Him and his, his sister, him and his sister, who played uh, basketball at Louisville, they made they made a, a pact with each other and to the parents. We're going to school. We're getting degrees. Whatever happens, happens. 
but you know you're not gonna have to take care of us any longer good story and then you you look at his production his he had 11.4 percent of their solo tackles that's just stupid as a defensive you know an edge player you know that's that's an insane amount of of, of production uh, for that position. Yeah, the 24.7% of tackles for loss, you know, 44.7% of their sacks, 17 sacks. Uh, you know, it reminds two- me of Fast Times at Richmond High. Tackle by Jefferson, hit by Jefferson, tackle by Jefferson. That literally was probably the, the, the play-by-play, you know, the play-by-play of the Kentucky announcers. Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. And Josh Allen sort of really, uh, I guess, represents what Kentucky has become the last couple of years in terms of the way they they play football. They are not pretty. Uh, they are very tough, uh, smart football team that that has to play good defense and run the ball. Similar to and, Iowa, like we were talking earlier, and and they were successful in doing that. And he was a massive part of that. And you know. I'll be very curious to see if he can, you know, sort of beat the 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 seven one one three cone to be an all pro, which you know by that virtue means he would be mentioned as an all pro three times, not just once. Uh, but you know, I think he he has a real shot to be defensive rookie of the year. Uh, you know, if it's the Jets, if they if they can't move out of that pick, I, I can't imagine they would not take him and you know i guess it's theoretically possible they could take queen of williams and, and certainly that'd be a good choice too but uh you know just in terms of a guy that is ready to come in and be a great football player early uh i think josh allen has to be one of the the favorites to be just a, a hit the ground running and be great right off the bat type player Oh, I, I don't doubt it, and um, maybe the, if for the Jets, maybe it's not the best fit because look, they need more. But uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna basically put a ring on it, yeah, Josh Allen is not a bad guy to put a ring on. Basically, put on 50 pounds in his years in in his years down in Kentucky. Um, as much as and you said, it, Pete tackles for loss and tackles. It's not just that he's a phenomenal pass rusher; he can also play his game out there. My guy, Brian Burns. Um, Still just a pup. And the thing, Josh Allen is closer to 23, whereas Brian Burns is closing in on 21. And it's not a respect. It's not a disrespect either way. But, uh, you know, everybody will, Brian Burns, can he put on the weight? Guess what? He went to the combine. He put on the weight. Guess what? He tested his ass off. Um, was strong enough. Was big enough. Was long enough. Was fast enough. Um, came to Florida State. Played as a, pure, as a true freshman on a team that had a very high expectations as the program slowly started to basically down the toilet. Never changed Brian Burns, the player. Never changed the effort. All in, every play. The motor is nonstop. It's like a, it, literally, it's like a freaking Yugo. If you don't know who it is, anybody that's listening, go ahead and research it. It's built for economy. It's not built for luxury. Um, he is that dude. He just will never, ever stop. He's got a great first step. Um, obviously the hands need a little bit of work, but we, you know, if you excel for so many years with your, you know, your footwork, you, you don't worry so much about your hands. Look, I mean, that comes and there's still things that have to be done. Brian Burns. And if Pete brought up the jets, look, if the jets can get out of three, if they can still say, stay in the top 10, Brian Burns is a fantastic selection. You're getting a guy who's only going to get better. 
Um, just just not enough. I, I mean, you love the player, love the effort, love the commitment. Uh, going to be a special player. Josh Allen, Brian Burns. It, it's, you know, if you want to go back, you know, three years from now and say, oh, well, one went three and one went ten, it'd literally be splitting hairs. Both guys, fantastic players. Pete, that'll bring us, I tell you what, I mean, linebackers will just do one here. Um, but the linebacker position, it's it's interesting because it's, it's two, I guess, what, top 20. And I thought I saw something out there today where people were still talking about our the guy we used to love, Coney, out of uh, Notre Dame as a day two prospect. I don't know if that exists anymore. Uh, but, Pete, let's go. Give me a linebacker. I don't think that exists for Coney. Uh, I don't think off it the exists board? for Off the board, Pete? Oh, for he's you? off because oh, yeah. he tested poorly. But I don't think he's I, – I, I think had he tested well, he was still a day three, early yes. day three, but a day three guy. It's just sort of the nature of the position for me. Uh, for linebacker, I will go with a guy who's not even on my board. Uh, and that's not because you know I don't like him. That's not because uh, of anything negative other than the fact he – Medically, was you know was not in a position where he could actually test, so I don't have any data on it. But I really like David Long out of West Virginia. Uh, it, he does a little bit of everything in that three three five defense. There's a ton put on his plate in terms of spacing he's cover. Uh, he's willing to throw his body around. Uh, you know he will attack the line of scrimmage. He can blitz. He can get in the backfield and make plays. And, uh, you know, rushing the passer and and, and you know, making tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, he's not great in terms of coverage ability or anything like that, but just the way he plays, it's all out. It's very fast. It's a guy who's just would be a fantastic wheel linebacker, uh, you know, in a world where I knew exactly how athletic he was. But, you know, he's a guy where even without data, I actually, you know, I, I – I ultimately didn't do it, but he is a guy I thought about, you know, mocking to the Browns anyway, just because, you know. The I eye test is there. I mean, you know, that's the tough part, though, because you have to go with your eyes and what you think athletically. But he, he dude seems like he move, no doubt about it. He, he just seems like he'd be an ideal fit for what Steve Wilkes seems to want to do on defense, uh, being aggressive and all those things. But, again, you know, I, I, I love the game. I love a lot with what he does. But, again, as I keep stressing with this, it's not about what I believe, it's what I can prove. And as much as I, I believe in David Long and love him as a player, uh, you know, it, it comes to the board. It's it's what I can prove, and I cannot do enough with that. Uh, so there he sits. Was that a Tom Cruise reference? Yeah, it's all it always says it's always a few good men. Yeah, okay, a few yeah, okay, all right, yes. Man, I missed that movie. I haven't seen that in a while. I gotta check that one out again. It's- it's literally on TV any time of day you could possibly want because I think the uh, rebroadcasting rights are like nothing. So you can you can find it almost any time of day on about seven ch- different channels. Don't ever put away my bad, Pete. Don't ever put my bad away. There you go. Uh, I'll go with Jermaine Pratt. Um, this was a guy, uh, obviously, Pete, uh, we, we both felt pretty highly on. Um, the testing didn't essentially mirror that. Whereas Long has the mystery of it, five um, percent missed tackle is rate. Still, still good enough. Yep, but five percent missed tackle rate. Um, but guys, this is linebackers probably a day three thing. Um, if the Jets want to get off their s- dumb lazy asses and just say, "Look, we'll take a day three pick for Darren Lee right now," 
Um, who are you kidding? That's fine. Let, well, let's address this and just take care of it. That way, you're getting an athletic guy who can cover and tackle. That's fine. But Jermaine Pratt, um, the, you know, obviously tackles well. Um, obviously, the coverage you're not too concerned about, as he was a safety formerly at North Carolina State, and this is going to be the focus of the linebacker position. I think the defensive line and Joe Schobert will do enough in to snuff out the run. Uh, Jermaine Pratt of North Carolina State, and guys, North Carolina State, year in year, as the years continue to develop, put out more and more of a quality product. Um, so that would be my guy at the linebacker position. Pete, um, we're going to kick it on over so we get to the, uh, you know, actually it, it's cornerbacks now. So, cornerback, what you got? Uh, Don't you dare. I, I will, even though <laughs> I had it first, oh! uh, <laughs> I, I will defer on that. because I, I'll give you another guy I, I really Twitter, like, the, even though the, I don't know. If, we can chase down tweets. We can chase, chase down tweets. Uh, even though... You know, clearly I was writer on that guy uh, from the the local area than than Jeff was. Um, a guy <laughs> I like, I don't know if he will pan out quite as well as maybe uh, we hope. Based on the numbers, he's fantastic, and that's Chris Boyd out of Texas. Um, I love the way the guy plays, and I, I, I remember. I teased him I remember the, the senior scene. bowl. Yeah, I remember. That uh, I, I said, you know, I said he's never had a no, no no contact day in his life, and he's like never. He just plays so hard and, and brings it, and he's he's a great athlete, and he's was super productive uh, in terms of pass breakups and stuff. And, and maybe that the pass breakup number is high because teams aren't afraid to target him. But at the same time, I like the way he plays. He he has all the traits. He just needs to keep developing in his skill set but he tackles 8.2 percent production in that area which is great uh, just the way he plays the game i just feel like that you know the, that that's a guy you can always find use for uh certainly the results and coverage have to be better it's, it's a little too inconsistent there but just in terms of what he brings in terms of toughness what he brings in terms of attitude and the fact is and and, and i people argue this every time if you don't tackle in college and you are anything on defense, you're not likely to succeed in the NFL. Yes, even Deion Sanders tackled. You need to put dudes on the ground. Uh, and and you, you're looking at this with the Browns, who a couple of years ago had guys who couldn't who couldn't tackle, and they drove Browns fans nuts. But then they'll you know you'll you'll still get people saying, I don't care about tackling with a corner. I want a guy to make plays on the ball. Well, what happens after they catch the ball? You you have to get them on the ground, and you know certainly being able to play the run and all those things and being physical, those are all great things. And slowly, what the Browns have done is they've filtered out all the guys who couldn't tackle, and they've Bingo. been left with all guys who can, and that's been a big part of their their attitude change on defense. Uh, you know, Ward had had the tackles you want. Uh, TJ Carey had a ton of tackles, both in college and then with with the Oakland Raiders. Terrence Mitchell had the tackles. Uh, Body Calhoun, no longer here, had the tackles. Uh, you just across the board, everybody on that defense in the secondary can get a guy down on the ground. And Chris Boyd, if nothing else, he will give you that. And look, you get back to Pro Football Focus. I believe it was. I don't remember if the number was 32% or 34%, but the missed tackle mark, obviously from last year, that needs to end. Obviously, Chris Boyd, a great selection for that. You know, route and a guy. Um, 
in I was telling people before we recorded, I actually got to communicate today a little bit with Justin Lane. So it was like I was like a kid in a candy store. Um, but this is just the guy, and I think it goes back to early January, and it was going through you know early declares and you know, just starting to do the initial look up and then watching some tape. A number one, a guy will tackle. A number one, he's not afraid of contact. Uh, the length, um, four five four five flat speed which is more than fine at six foot two because when your wingspan is 82 inches, those arms will make up for a tenth of a second. He's just the perfect, perfect guy to bring here. He's the perfect running man for Denzel Ward. Um, the other thing is now in, you know, in getting a talk with him, he did, he wouldn't have cared if they were good or not. He still would have liked to come play for the Cleveland Browns, play for the area he grew up in. Just everything about the kid, and it's you know every now and then you like and Pete and I when we you know we do this every year we cover what 250 to 300 guys we you know we go through them and try you know with a fine tooth and comb. There comes guys where you, you like you develop like you know like you know, we you know, the term is we use a draft crush. Justin Lane became an early one for me, and look you know Aiden. It's been weird because Pete and I have been in a lot of agreement this year, but just everything the kid does just it emanates the fact that he's just going to be a solid pro. Uh, there is so much in front of him. Um, you know, obviously, you know, as a former wide receiver, he knows about route running. He can pick up tendencies. He'll be able to read the guys in front of him. He's just a special, special young young player, special young talent. Uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch the maturation. Obviously, it's only one in 32 shot that it becomes a Brown. Um, again, get the hell out of the AFC North. If you're not going to be here, that's fine. Go to the NFC. That'd be fantastic. Um, but it's that's he's probably become my, my my favorite guy in this class. Not just my favorite guy at the cornerback, but my favorite guy in this class. I, I just think there's a limited... I mean, limitless potential with him. Maybe a Namde Asamoah type of guy. Just that—that's what Justin Lane could end up being. Uh, and Pete, I guess we'll close it out with the safety position. And you know, we have our flavors here. We do. Yeah, uh, you know, mine is better than yours. Uh, certainly. Uh, uh, well, uh, it's a stupid. 40 from times. your national championship, Virginia Cavaliers, my man Juan Thornhill. Um, look, he is just a fantastic football player. Made the transition from corner to safety, where he has been great. Uh, I love him for the Browns and the fact that he is essentially an extra corner inside who can do all those coverage things you want, but has the, you know, willingness to throw his body around and all those things like a safety. You know, people talk about safeties are, are corners who are too slow. I will always argue that safeties are corner, you know, corners who can think. Um, oh, no doubt. Juan Thornhill, Juan Thornhill had you know, just, I, I've actually looked into this. I, I, I went through Juan Thornhill's production you know, at one point, I, I actually did him and Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I, I changed it to get rid of it, but initially, I had them both at multiple positions because their their data actually worked out so well in terms of production that they could actually swing it for multiple positions depending on what year you looked at. But just as a strong safety, one Thornhill, sixty-two solo tackles, which is fourteen point nine percent of UVA's tackles this year, six interceptions. Uh, He's a ball hawk. He is fantastic after the catch. His athleticism is otherworldly. Uh, you know, he's he's a dream for the Browns. He 
you know, I, I, messing around with the big board, the you know, top 50 big board, he's probably not going to end up quite as high as maybe some people might think he will. Other guys are edging him out based on basically age. But, you know, if, if the NFL is going to mess around and let this dude sit there at 49 and, you know, and Justin Lane is not on the board because that would be, again, in no small part because of age, Justin Lane would be the choice there. But if they're going to mess around and let this dude sit here, I, I, I think he can come in and be just an absolute star in terms of what the Browns need and the things that he can add. And, and at least in the, in, in the way the defense works in my head, in my world, uh, so the Browns would be wrong if they do it any other way, uh, that, that, that strong safety position, that, you know, that co- extra corner is just as important as the actual corner that's playing opposite Denzel Ward. Uh, you know, being able to cover the receivers in the middle of the field, but potentially tight ends as well. If they, if, if you get that out of a guy like Juan Thornhill, uh, that would improve the de- defense immeasurably. The combination of him and a guy like Demarius Randall patrolling the back end of the defense would be great. Hopefully, it would make Morgan Burnett a role player and a slot defender more than an actual strong safety. Uh, yeah, it could make him out of here. <laughs> it could make Morgan Burnett out of here. I mean, I, I, he could be a role player, but as they all should be, again, other than Joe, other than Joe Schober, Denzel Ward, Demaris Randall, they should all be role players until somebody really owns a position uh, and just make it, you know, a amorphous blob of a defense that just fits what it needs to do in a given uh, situation or matchup or whatever. But yeah, one Thornhill, uh, you know, this draft class is not great. But there are certain positions and certain players that are just fantastic and just scream out for the Browns. And you know, again, he sh- he should be. A- Juan Thornhill is a first round prospect, and if they mess around and let him hang around, and the Browns can grab him, uh, I think it's just such an enormous difference maker for for this defense. Um, look, I mean, I have and look, guys, I, I've almost to the point where now it's it's been conceded. You know, Juan Thornhill is would just be absolutely perfect because the other thing is is you can do things where. You can say, hey, you know, we need you to play a little cover two corner. Juan Thornhill can do that. And as we've talked about, um, you know, with the guys who go to UVA, there's a reason they go to UVA and they don't go to Virginia Tech, Pete. They got a head yeah, up. They, look, <laughs> they, look you, there's a lot of things, and you talk about schools at academic standards and, you know, at Notre Dame, you know, Lou, there was the Lou Holtz. Basically, he had one pass. Per year, where you could basically get in a guy that didn't Tony have Tony Rice. Yes, that's the prime example. But uh, UVA doesn't have that. You have to be nope. a good student to go to UVA, and they're they're not the only school like that. But they are a big one. Georgia Tech, I think, is in that club. Uh, you know, there there are schools that require you to be good students, uh, and UVA is certainly one of those. And, and they take a ton of pride in, in what they represent academically and all those things. And and you're not going to get a, you sh, you're not going to get a knucklehead he's you know humble kid from humble beginnings a tiny high school uh in Alta Vista Virginia uh but yeah he just everything you sort of want fitting in with with this team and sort of what what teams what uh people would like to sort of believe is 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 that blue collar cleveland attitude Bonhorth Thornhill seems to have and if you ever want to, and look, you don't even need to look at the testing numbers. Um, look up one Thornhill YouTube videos of his high school basketball career. Uh, you will, everything athletically will be measured there. 
Um, for me, Taylor Rapp, the reason I fell in love with Taylor Rapp, is it seemed like almost like the progression of Jabril Peppers. You know, uh, at the beginning of his Washington career, he played, you know, further back and had a great Pac-12 championship game as a freshman. Um, then they started moving him closer and closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, I, I'm not. If I'm this much in now, I'm not going to jump off now. Yeah, a four-seven forty. Yeah, that's going to scare the daylights out of you. Um, Browns-wise, yeah, uh, you're, you're probably looking for the elite, elite uh, player. You know, um, as far I'm sorry, the elite of the elite athletically. You know, get what you get because you don't have many needs. Um, and this is also. When I started to jump on the rap train, this was: Are we going to? Are we looking for a guy who can give us Jabril Peppers type of things? And that's where he kind of came in. Um, look, I'll take Taylor Rapp. I don't think 49's an option anymore. If they go corner, and maybe at, you know at 49, if they don't move up, 80 Taylor Rapp still sticking around. Yeah, I want this guy because he can play. I, I think that I still think there's good football in front of him. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll concede to Pete on this one. Uh, I think the UVA kid is is the dude. The worst thing that happened to Taylor Rapp as it relates to the Browns to me is signing Morgan Burnett because I think that's exactly the job he would have uh, if he were if he were on the Browns. Uh, when you run that slow, uh, I think that immediately puts you in the box, which certainly yep. doesn't mean you're going to be a bad limits player. You, but limits you to the box, yes. Yeah, but it means yeah, it means you're gonna you're gonna get less space to run around in because the less space you have, the less space you know, the less of a a potential exploit your speed becomes. So you can you know be quick. And Taylor Rapp's agility is otherworldly. He's a very very quick athlete, and the closer to the line of scrimmage he is, the the more he can take advantage of those parts. But yeah, I, I think Morgan Burnett represents sort of the death knell for him here. Uh, I'd be curious to see where he goes because there were people that were very, you know, high on him to the point where they suggested Taylor Rapp was a first-round pick. Uh, this certainly changes that. Although I never liked his production anyway. You know, he let Ben Burke, Ben Burke Irvin just would not let anyone else have any tackles. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's a nice player. He could be a very nice role player for somebody. Unfortunately, that looks very unlikely in Cleveland. Yeah, it, it, it. Yeah, I think that the light went out there quickly. Um, again, he's going to be a guy you know who can get a you know somebody who's looking for a traditional box safety. He's going to go there. He's going to do a fantastic job. Uh, you know, maybe the four seven four was an aberration. Who knows? Whatever. But uh, and the thing that actually hurts me though is because I've always been a huge fan of the University of Washington DBs, and they have a great strength conditioning program. Kevin King, Sidney Jones, uh, obviously uh, Buda Baker. All these guys tested really really well and rap didn't so that does you know gives you your pause and hesitation pete did we miss anything i, I think we put a good bow on this one though uh doesn't seem like it uh, unless we get more information i mean i got uh athletic data on one guy for the most part that's interesting super small school guy uh what you got it would be his name is where do we go? Do, 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 do. It is Caden Ellis, the linebacker yes. from Idaho. Uh, very athletic, super productive. Uh, they're calling him a linebacker. Realistically, if the Browns were taking it, he's, li- he's 6'3", 240. Uh, super agil- agility guy. Um, explosion looks okay. Speed looks good. 
Um, he looks like exactly what they took in Jannard Avery, a little bit lighter. But that's they call him a linebacker. But everything he did is more about uh, a pass rusher like Avery. Maybe he plays in space. Maybe he's a truer Sam than Avery. Uh, and then I guess you know he also played some tight end at Idaho. Not, you know the numbers are not super impressive, but he he has apparently uh, a little bit of versatility in that respect. He's he's one of the twelve kids, um, Good so Lord. he may he may his be that mom. much his, he may be that motivated not to go home. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean he yeah, unlikely guy that the Browns are going to draft because he seems to be something they seem to already have. But again, if they like him as a potential Sam backer. That could be interesting. Who then has a pass rush with it? Um, so yeah, that's that's about it. Well, that could be Orson Charles. I mean, you might want to get a little bit nervous there, Orson Charles. That could be the guy for you. Um, but guys, obviously, we we had a lot of fun with this one here. Uh, every now and then, we just need to break it down, do a little something where we can just you know go this route. So you know, you got uh, Pete's thoughts, my thoughts here. Best you know favorite. I'm sorry, not best favorite positional prospects. You know, we had a little fun with it here. Pete and I always love the debate. Uh, if this was ever face-to-face, good Lord, this would go on for four, probably four or five hours. Um, but do appreciate you guys for all, you know, uh, listening in for everything you guys do here, you know, to help the growth of the show. Um, Pete's work over at NFL Spin Zone. Make sure you keep reading it. Pete puts in a ton of effort, a ton of written content, so check that out over at NFL Spin Zone. Follow him at underscore Pete Smith underscore the Lockdown Browns Twitter account. Um, we're getting closer and closer to that 5,000 goal before the draft, guys. It's it's just been an amazing run here, and I, I think most of it started probably with that Thursday night after you know uh, obviously you know Baker finally got to take the field, beat the Jets, and since then everything's just kind of taken off show wise here. And I appreciate you all for being along for the ride. And look, I know a lot of you are on Twitter, but don't really want to be on Twitter. You know, you can always communicate through the DMs. I will answer anything through the Lockdown Browns account. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, I just, I can't be more thankful for what you guys have done here. And it's amazing to see the growth of the show here as we just continue to put up really, really solid numbers. Um, so I, I, we're going to put a bow on this. Um, we're going to continue to work. Look, I mean, the closer we get to the draft, the, the more fun it is because you just want to get every take out there. And then Pete, when the draft comes, we'll have it all blown to hell. And then we can maybe do a recap show where we look like idiots on these 10 guys, those 10 guys, whatever. But it's all about put. I mean, you put in the work, you want to have it put, you know, put it out there. And look, we'll take the critique, guys. Look, I mean, that doesn't bother us by any means whatsoever. This nope. is, go ahead. Well, He's no, I, close. I don't mind it because, uh, you know, if they draft somebody shitty, I'm going to tell you they're shitty and people will get mad at me for ruining the ending that ultimately happens. Uh, but the other thing I would point out is if the show is growing this much in April, uh, then, you know, when we actually have players on the team and we're actually playing games, it should be, you know, that much better. So, yeah, I mean, that's echoing, uh, echoing. Yeah, we're grateful for everybody who puts up with us. Uh, certainly, we're always trying to get better at it, but. You know, the, it, there was certainly a little bit of nervousness when it came to what happens in the off season. Where do people go? And evidently, you know, they we we all have nothing better to do than listen to us talk about football. So uh, that's awesome, and hopefully that carries over, and that we you know can snowball a little bit. And the more people that listen, the more we can sort of do with this, and the more we can sort of make it you know the listeners show as opposed to just telling you what's going to happen and going with it. Uh, that's why we like the input, like the, the feedback, and we listen to as much as we can get. Other 
been telling me I'm awful. Believe me, I know. Fraud. Uh, I've gotten fraud. Played, so no, you're a fraud. You're a fraud. Pete. Yes. <laughs> That's alleged fraud. So yeah, I mean, keep 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 the comments coming. Keep letting us know what you want. What what we can do to sort of. Uh, cover things uh you know occasionally we get some redundant questions and and we try our best not to sort of just you know we will try to point you in the right direction but uh yeah yeah, and that, yeah exactly i mean and like some of the stuff you guys ask actually you know that's obviously the lead you know the the main talking points of each episode but look i appreciate every interaction and and exactly never think that you guys aren't part of it and for those of you who are loyal and you aren't the trolling aspect, um, guys, you're more than welcome to disagree and you know, we'll discuss it with you. But, you know, we won't change our stance. You won't change your stance, but w- which we appreciate. That's fine. That's cool. That's all about it. You know, everybody, you know, take a stand, whatever. But it doesn't need to lead to frauds, comments, uh, you know, comments about, you know, Jeff and his kids, whatever. I don't need that BS, guys. I, like, I, I, I literally, if you're here to troll, you're gone in a heartbeat. I just don't have the time and the patience for it anymore with all that's going on with everything. Um, but this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LLB. Let's go, Browns.